Pastor Paul last week looked at the first application that Paul makes in chapter 4, and he talked about pursuing unity in the church. Chapter 1, chapter 1, or chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Pursuing unity in the church, that as Christians we should live united. Now for today, what I want to do is I want to pull back for a moment and kind of see something a little different than just the, the, the particulars. I want to pull back for a moment and see a very broad picture, and then we're going to move in and we're going to focus more closely on the next application that, that Paul makes. So let me explain to you the big picture of what Paul is teaching in this section of Ephesians um, in this first half of chapter 4. That what he's doing is he is dealing with what has always been and continues to be a difficulty in the church, in all churches, in this church, in all churches. And it's this. It's the concept of diversity in unity. Different types of people functioning together in love. And that's what he's talking. He's going to come. His first thing he deals with after all this theoretical talk, he says, now let's make it practical. And he applies it directly to the church first. And he says, the first thing I want to deal with is how does this church family live, diverse people live in unity? And to help us to get a better grip on this, I want to give you a basic outline of the first 16 chapters of chapter 4. Now, we're not going to cover all 16 verses. Don't worry. But I'm going to give you an outline because I want you to see, I want you to see the flow of thought that Paul has. Sometimes when we look at scripture and we look at small portions, we get some truth out of that small portion, but we miss the idea that that truth is really part of a big picture and we have to look at the whole thing. We see the flow of thought and you go, oh, that's why that's here. Now this makes sense to me. And so I think unless we back up and see the big picture, we really are going to miss the main idea that Paul's trying to talk about in this section And so, in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and I'll read this in a minute, but in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, just note this, jot it down, or or, or remember it, that the first six verses, he is dealing with the fact that we are all one, that we're all united. Okay, maybe jot that down in your your margin of your Bible. Chapter 4, 1 through 6, it's about unity. Then in verses 7 through 10, which is the section I'm going to cover today, 7 through 10, He's, what's the first word in chapter, chapter 7? Verse 7. What's the first word? But. He's going to say, this is this, but something different. So verses 7 through 10, he says, but we're all different. So what's really going to talk about. We're all different. Then verses 11 through 13, and this is something really important to get. He says, so because we're supposed to live in unity and we're all different, so God has given to the church spiritually gifted leaders to develop and maintain diversity and unity. So he's saying, I've given pastors and evangelists and prophets to to create and maintain diversity and unity, because that's the overarching idea here. And so um, the idea that God has given leadership to help create this and maintain it. And then verses 14 to 16 is then a picture. He says, as a result, if we do it right, This is what it would look like. So it's a picture of the resulting healthy church body functioning together. So now with that in mind, let's read this whole section, 16 verses, and pay attention. You're going to say, oh, that's what he's saying here. So starting in verse 1, he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 
There is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So that's the unity, right? But, verse 7, 7 to 10 now, it's going to talk about, we're all different, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. He's going to say we all have different gifts. Therefore, and then he just kind of goes on to talk about these gifts being distributed, and he kind of just goes into a, a little parenthesis here in verses 9 and 10, just saying kind of the wonder of Jesus, who Jesus is. So verses verse 7, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And therefore it says when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into lower parts of earth? He who descended is also himself, is also he who ascended far above all heavens, so that he might fill all things. Now verse 11 through 13, he's going to say, so in order to maintain this, you have unity, I've gifted people that are all different, now he's going to talk about how this functions, and so, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and some as teachers, for what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now verses 14 and 16, he says, and as a result of doing this, we no longer, we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Okay, we'll stop right there. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, not, no, um, the Apostle Paul rather, here is explaining how the different people are being united together in Christ and that they are then taught and equipped by spiritual leaders that resulting in a healthy church of loving unity. So that's the whole idea of that whole, the whole section of that chapter. For today, what I'm going to focus on is that there's a second part of the process that Paul writes about, diversity in unity, verses 7 through 10. In fact, in order to explain this, I want to do it in a way that I hope will make sense to you. And I'm saying this, if you're all paying attention, I hope none of you will misunderstand. I'm going to say that up front. Pay attention. Don't hear what you think I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. I want to use an illustration that I wanted to take an illustration and then apply it to the text. It's a biblical illustration. It's a biblical picture. But I then want to apply it to the text. So I don't want you to see something and go, Oh my goodness, he's saying this and not hear a word I say. Deal? So there's a picture I want Stephanie to put up on the screens. What's Now, I know it's more than one thing in this picture, but what's that a picture of? A rainbow. Good, you're smart. It's a rainbow. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm kind of mad about something. You know what I'm kind of mad about? I'm mad that the rainbow has been stolen from the church. I'm mad that the rainbow, that beautiful rainbow, has been stolen 
from the church. See, the rainbow is a gift from God. In Genesis, we read that because of the wickedness and sinfulness of mankind, that God flooded the world. He destroyed the world with a, with a worldwide flood. And by the way, science proves over and over and over that that worldwide flood actually happened. We have all the evidence in the world to prove that it really happened. So God destroyed the world with a flood. But it says in the story in the book of Genesis that he saved eight people, Noah and his family, and he saved animals, and they all went on an ark. And I'm not sure how that worked, but I believe God's word. They went on the ark, and they survived. And now scripture says that after the flood, God created a rainbow. And he created a rainbow to remind mankind that he would never again destroy the world with water, with a flood. So the rainbow is a gift from God to remind us of himself and to remind us of his promises, right? That's what the rainbow is supposed to be. And throughout Judeo-Christian history, which is over 2,000 years of Christianity and um, 6,000 years of Judeo-Christian history, throughout Judeo-Christian history, the rainbow has been a symbol of God's goodness and a symbol of Christian unity in diversity. That's what it's been a symbol of. Christians have understood it to mean that. All the colors of the rainbow together, united to create something beautiful. That's what the rainbow is supposed to mean, right? We're supposed to look at it and go, God's never going to flood us. God loves us. God's protecting us. And it symbolizes the unity of the church family. All these different colors united together to create something beautiful. But since the 1970s, and this is when this has really started to happen, the church has become afraid of the rainbow. We can't talk about the rainbow anymore. We don't put up the rainbow anymore. And there's a reason for it. We're afraid of it because in our culture, it has been used by the gay pride movement as their symbol. Um, now, we may get into some of those details of that later. We're not going to deal with that today. But for today, I simply want to do something. For us at Portview, for nobody else. I want to reclaim the rainbow. Can we do that? I want to reclaim the rainbow. Because it's the perfect picture of what the Apostle Paul is explaining here in Ephesians. I think it will help us, because the goal of, of, of taking time to preach sermons is not to give information. It's to lead to transformation. And so I want to present it in such a way that you remember it in a way that will affect you not just today, but for tomorrow. And we can do that, I think, by reclaiming the rainbow. Because what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians is diversity and unity. What's he talking about? Basically, many colors unified together to create something beautiful. That's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians. Many colors, many different people, unified together to create something beautiful. Now let me show you that this is exactly what Paul is saying in Ephesians. In Ephesians 1 through 6, we said this already, Paul talks about the church being, and this is, the, this is exactly what he says, the church, you and me, raise your hand if you're in the church. So if your hand is raised, this applies to you. You and me being diligent, say diligent, 
that means some effort, right? Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He says, Christian people have a responsibility, diligence, it takes effort. If I would have written this sermon after I came back from vacation, I would use an illustration of spending the last week with 18 people together in one building, um, trying to all get along, and it worked really good, but you know how it worked out good? We were diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It means you bit your tongue a lot. And you said, I think I need to go in the kayak. <laughs> See? So the church, Paul talks about 1 through 6, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Then in verse 7, he says, but, but to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, in verses 1 through 6, you are all to be united, but, verse 7, you are all different by the design of God. You and me are all different because God has given each of us spiritual gifts that make us different. God has designed his church to be constructed of totally different people all united together, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, God has made us all different on purpose and it will take effort. It will take great effort to live in unity, but that's his plan and his purpose for us. Um, so for people who just say, oh, we're all, as a church, we're just all off by ourselves doing our own thing and we don't really care about anybody else, they're wrong because they don't understand what Paul is saying. Church, we need to take a step back here. and We need to understand the magnitude of what Paul is saying here. This is a huge deal. I think especially in our culture, this is a huge deal. Let me put it in context to explain this. Earlier in Ephesians... In chapter 3, so I'm hoping you keep reading the book over and over so you go, oh yeah, it's exactly what he said. Now I'm starting to see the big picture. Earlier in Ephesians in chapter 3, Paul was talking about the creation of the church. Remember when Paul was writing this, the church was brand new. There had never been a thing called the church. And Paul's writing about the creation of the church and that God is the one who created it. And how the church is a, a new creation that it's, and that it's made up of something that never existed before Jesus died and rose again. It's made up of people called Christians. There's never been somebody called a Christian before. And he describes them like this. He says they're a, they're a new race of people. No longer defined by race, the color of their skin. No longer defined by politics or by social status or by gender but defined as children of God through salvation in Christ. And Paul says the church will do something. It's intended to do something. The church will reveal the wisdom and the glory of God, not only to humankind, but also to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies for all eternity. Now, i got to admit, I'm not sure what that all means. The rulers and authorities in the heavenly. So all kinds of people got all kinds of ideas. We have a little light from scriptures. But we know is there's a whole lot more than we see here. There's a whole other world out there, spiritual realm. And Paul says the church is designed by God to reveal the wisdom and glory of God. Not only to humankind, but also to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies for all eternity. If you want to 
see what Paul says about that. Read chapter 3, 1 through 13. So Paul says the church is a revelation of the wisdom of God in chapter 3. Now in chapter 4, he explains that the wisdom and the glory of God is revealed through the church in a particular way. As the church becomes a place of diverse people functioning together in loving unity. That we would be like the rainbow. Totally different colors, different likes, different dislikes, different looks, different colors, different ideas, even different ideologies on things of the world, all united together in the love of Christ. And that he said when that would happen, this loving unity, we'd be displaying the glory and the wisdom of God, not only to the church, but for the powers in heaven that are looking. Now, here's a question. Why would this, diversity and unity, this particular thing display the glory and the wisdom of God? That God is saying, look at, I'll show you how, how magnificent I am. Look at that thing called the church. And the thing he's looking at is loving unity amongst diverse people. Why in the world would this particular thing display for humanity and all the heavenly hosts display the glory and the wisdom of God. It's for a very very practical reason. Because it's something that never occurs naturally. Unity between people that differ can only and will only occur in the church of Jesus Christ. It's the only place it ever can and will happen. It doesn't happen here very often, meaning in the church in general. But it is the only place it's possible. This is the peculiar phenomenon which the Christian church is to manifest and demonstrate to the world something that nothing else can do. Nothing else can live in this harmony. No other organization no other government, all the groups who say they're inclusive, they're inclusive until you go and say, and I'm a Christian. Then they want to kill you, right? They hate you. It's not inclusive. The, the, no other organization or government, only the church can accomplish unity in diversity. And there's a reason. You know why? Because we are united by something greater than anything else in planet earth, anything else that ever could unify. Somebody could be a Packer fan and say, we're great Packer fans, until the team starts losing over and over and over and over again, and I'm not being prophetic, then a bunch of you will jump ship and say, oh, really, I'm a Denver Bronco fan. Right? It's what happens. No other group on earth can unify diverse people together. The church is a place where Packer fans and Bear fans can love together. Right, Harold? Amen. Amen. It's possible. Why? Because we are united by something greater than anything else that can unify. We know that we, Christians, and friends, this is only possible amongst Christians. Remember that. That we, Christians, know that we were born sinners. That we were lost But by God's grace, he called us by name and and we responded to his call to receive forgiveness and to receive new life in him all by his grace. And now the Bible says that now we are saints, that we are children of God. 
that we're of the same family, that we are redeemed, we are forgiven, we are saved, we are in Christ. All these terms Paul's been using in the first three chapters to try to say, this is who you are now, this brand new creation called the church. That's who we are. Not just who, what you belong to. That's who you are. The most important defining concept of you as a Christian is that now you are a Christian. You're no longer defined as black or white. You're no longer defined as rich or poor. You're no longer defined as Republican or Democrat. You can be all those things, but those are peripheral. The most important thing, the thing that, that defines you and can then be the unifier of you, is that now we are Christian. This new race that Paul says God created. As, create, as Christians, we're, this new, we're a new people. A very new type of people. Born again, transformed in Christ. And that ties us all together. So you know what? I can be, I can love a Bernie Sanders loving Christian. And I can love a Donald Trump loving Christian. And I can love the one who says, I hate them both and I want somebody else. I can love and I can worship and I can get along with and I can value and I can, and I can, and I can live in a way to not demean that person who has a different opinion. Listen to this, what I'm going to say right now. I may not agree with someone else, but my love better override my opinions. I may not agree. That's why we're an apolitical church, meaning we don't get into politics. I don't. If I mention one, I always mention the other. Because I want this church to reflect this community, and we got people on both sides of the aisle. And that's God's plan. It's not God's plan for your church to be the headquarters for whichever side of the party and say we're all like that. That's the opposite of what the Apostle Paul is preaching right here. I may not agree, and I have some very strong opinions about some of this stuff in my personal life. I may not agree with somebody else who believes something else about our culture, and that's culture stuff. But my love, the love of Christ in me, my love of Christ for them, better override my personal opinions. It better, or I'm not doing what God said. And I want you to, to listen to me very carefully. Because I honestly when I, when I penned this, I honestly believe this is a prophetic word from God to our church. I honestly believe that you've never heard me say that before in almost eight years. Not once have I said this is a prophetic word from God to this church, but I absolutely believe it is. That if you are a Christian, that you better, according to what Paul says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace in the body of Christ. And if you don't, if you allow your opinions to override your love, if you don't, you are destroying the very vehicle through which God intends to display His glory and wisdom, not only to humankind, but to all the onlooking heavenly hosts. You are destroying what He intends His church to be. A place of loving unity and diversity. A rainbow. You're destroying it if you don't think, if you don't, if we don't act this way. So be very careful about what you stand so strongly for. 
and what damage you cause by doing that with other people who say they're Christians also. Remember, it's not my job to determine if somebody's a Christian. They say they're a Christ follower. So my, my idea is, or my, 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 my job is to defend the unity, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So be very careful about what you stand so strongly for and what damage you cause in doing that. No cause is more important than the cause of Christ through his church. And I think in this day and age, we better heed this warning from Paul. But it's not just a warning, it's, a, it's, a, it's an invitation to a better life. It's a better life to live with a bunch of people who are different and celebrate that, instead of saying, you've got to be like me or I can't. If we disagree, we've got to divide. That's not God's plan. Church, it's time to be the church. If we are people who care, then we are people who love. The message of Jesus throughout the New Testament is that Christians, unlike anyone else in the world, can love, and they say something insane, but this is what Scripture says is possible. You can love even your enemies. Why? Because Jesus, by His Spirit, dwells within and he is transforming our very natures. We can do what's humanly impossible. We can love diverse people because it's Jesus loving through us to the people he loves. And what people does he love? He loves everyone. This is what Paul is trying to get across to us here in Ephesians. We are all one in Christ. We are all different by the design of God. We have different gifts given to us by God. And when this impossible unity in diversity begins to be accomplished, then it reveals the reality of God through the people of God. So Paul is going to go on in the coming verses to explain how pastors and church leaders fit into accomplishing this and to explain how in our walking towards this we must not compromise with sin because, listen, that is the natural error in dealing with this text. So what the conclusion is, well, therefore, for unity and diversity, well, I must just accept everything. That's not what he's saying. Remember, I said this is amongst Christian people. The natural error is to say acceptance does not equate, accepting people does not equate with accepting sinful behavior, and the church must stand for what is righteous and true. That makes sense? But for us today at Portview... Let's give ourselves to the transformation of the Holy Spirit so that we become people who really can and do love people who are different. So we can be a church filled with totally different people with varying gifts all united together for the cause of Christ. See, there's something I wish I could do. I wish I could just hang up a rainbow flag in here to remind all of us of this. But it would be misunderstood and it would be misused. So we can't do it. But this we can do. Every time you see a rainbow, even if it's a rainbow flag and you know what it's supposed to stand for, and it's not, and that, which is something opposed to Christianity. Number one, thank God for His loving grace. Right? Number one, thank God for His loving grace. But number two, remember that you are part of something so much bigger than yourself. You are part of the church of the living God. 
You are made unique and particular to bring wholeness and beauty to the body. So don't ever allow yourself to say, if I was just like him or I was just like her. You were made unique by God on purpose. You are particular to bring wholeness and beauty to the body. A rainbow without red isn't what it could be. Remember that when you see the rainbow. And remember, you were created to function in your uniqueness alongside people who are very much different than you are. And that God says, guess what? If, if I'm in you, I'll love them through you. But it's a work of the Spirit. You are one stripe of the rainbow. Together, God's plan is to make this beautiful thing the church. Diversity and unity, displaying the glory and the wisdom of God. Is that what you want? That's what I want. Because that's what Paul is saying the church is supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I invite you to, to pray with me this morning. Lord, this is some of the loftiest stuff of all Christianity. And Lord, we understand something. That when we first come to Christ, you deal with the, the very surface. You deal with the peripheral. You deal with those, with those big obstacles in our lives that are derailing us. But the longer we walk with you, the deeper you dig for our betterment. You dig inside of our very, very beings and you expose things that don't line up with what's right and then you help us, you craft us and create us in ways so that we become what you want us to become. And Lord, this is talking about exactly that. This idea of you forming us. This idea, Lord, of you coming in and shaping us so that your glory will be revealed in and through us. But Lord, what we see from the Apostle Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that that is not an individual thing. That you said it's a corporate thing. That it happens as we together work diligently to preserve the bond of unity. That we work diligently for it. We, in other words, we give ourselves to you. We put effort into it. It doesn't happen naturally. Thank you for that, that admonition from your word. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to your glory. We see, Lord, that as we become a loving community of diverse people, that we then display your wisdom and glory to humankind and to the on-looking heavenly host. So we give ourselves to you. Shape us. Form us. Create us to be a reflection of your love. And Lord, I would ask this, that for every one of us in this place, that you would help us to see us right where we're at because we're all at different parts of our journey some are brand new and they're dealing with some just real big stuff some have walked with you for a while and Lord this is something that goes down deep and it says 
what do I really value the most? Do I value my cause? Or do I value the cause of Christ? What's really the most important? What's the thing that I want to post the most about on Facebook? What's the thing I talk about the most? What's the thing I think about the most? Lord, dig down deep today. And Lord, create us in your love and your grace and your care. Form us in the people who are like Jesus. So that, Lord, at Portview Church, this would be a place where diverse people who are Christ followers love each other, worship you together, serve this community with love, and through all of that, display what only the church could ever display. Display different people bonded together by the love of Christ. Working side by side. Lord, help it become more of a reality in our lives and in this place today. Let your word change us. 